What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, January 11th. Combat veteran Sean Parnell returns to the podcast today. Hunter Biden puts on an absolute circus show in Washington, D.C. President Donald Trump has denied his right to give closing arguments in his New York civil case. The Iowa caucus is just days away, and Chris Christie drops out of the race. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. That's all, folks. And how could we ever forget this punchline from the disgraced former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, uh, who was in this campaign, really the presidential campaign, just to fire shots at Trump like this lame duck joke that he tried to throw at him. Donald Duck, we're going to call him. Now, Chris Christie has dropped out of the race, which we knew he was going to do. It was a matter of when he chose to do it. He did it just days away now from the Iowa caucuses. Uh, Chris Christie's entire campaign has been a joke. His political career has gone straight down the toilet from his great moment when he got elected as the governor of New Jersey. Many, many high hopes from the people here in New Jersey, my home state. What a disappointment that he was as a governor and just as a politician. So it's, you know, kind of happy to see him go. Another thing, too, is that he was, you know, we remember the debate stage when he was defending Nikki Haley, right? It looked bad for both of them. Number one, uh, Chris Christie tried to, we all knew he was full of uh, crap, but he tries to stand up for Nikki Haley. It makes Nikki Haley look weak uh, that she couldn't defend herself against Vivek Ramaswamy, but Chris Christie stepped in. Oh, you're not going to say this about Nikki. She's a brilliant woman. She's this, she's this. And then he gets caught now yesterday on a hot mic talking about Nikki Haley not even having a shot at this, uh, at the primary. We know uh, that we expect, as I would expect, that, that uh, Nikki Haley is going to get buried along with Ron DeSantis. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Iowa caucuses later. But that was the first thing I wanted to hit you with. Was, I'm just glad to see Chris Christie finally jump out of the race here. I don't know what he's going to do as far as throwing his support. It'd be kind of impossible for him to try to uh, in, encourage people to, to vote for Donald Trump now that he just, you know, went out of his way to try to bash the former president, his former boss. He was in the cabinet there with him. Uh, so I'm just glad to see Chris Christie go and wanted to start off the show there with that uh, lame duck joke from Chris Christie. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Got a big show for you guys today, big program. Get down there, hit the like button and the follow. Uh, follow the channel here on Rumble. If you missed out on Tuesday's episode, I had two awesome guests. I had the American shaman running for Congress in Arizona, uh, Jacob Chansley, and I also had Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamak. So if you missed those interviews, please flip it back one and take a listen. Today, I got my friend Sean Parnell joining the podcast again here. He's been with me uh, about three times. This is probably his third appearance on the podcast. Always an honor when I get to have a chance uh, to speak with Sean. He also hosts a a tremendous show here on Rumble as well, the Battleground podcast. Uh, So let me hit you with a few of these things before I bring him onto the podcast here. Hunter Biden was the big thing trending yesterday on X, trending all over social media yesterday because they were having uh, his contempt hearing in Congress, the uh, House Judiciary Committee. Now, Hunter Biden did not show up when he was supposed to show up for his subpoena. He showed up outside the courts, you know, with his little uh, crybaby act of why it's, you know, he, he wants to do the closed door meeting. He was doing everything to avoid being there and answering questions. So what happens? Yesterday, he shows up. He shows up. Now, I'll put the clips here next to me. He walks into this thing while they're having this is this is the hearing on whether or not he's going to be held in contempt for not coming showing up for a subpoena. He wasn't so didn't have to be there today. This he didn't need to be there. He needed to be there the other day a few weeks ago and didn't show up. So today was the vote about uh, getting his contempt. He shows up. 
with a camera crew. Look at him walking into the court here. He's got a camera crew with him, and the guy sitting next to him is his sugar brother, the guy that's been feeding him all kinds of money and supporting him, and now is making a documentary about his life. I just talked about this on the bottom line last week, played the clips for you guys on Tuesday. This guy's making a documentary about Hunter Biden's life. They came in. They got their footage. Uh, I think it was uh, Comer told him, hey, you can't be doing that in here. Uh, They sat down for a few minutes. They got up. They walked out. They just didn't. This whole thing is just a a dog and pony show. Hunter Biden knows he could do whatever he wants and get away with it. Now, the vote continued after he left and after all the hullabaloo and the House Judiciary Committee voted uh, 23 to 14 to hold Hunter Biden in contempt. What is going to happen as a result of this? Absolutely nothing. I think we're going to see the same outcome as we've seen from this Jeffrey Epstein client list that we were that was dropping. Everyone was all hyped up about the list. Oh, we're going to get the list. It's dropping. It's dropping. And then what happens? They drop the Jeffrey Epstein case file with some depositions from one or two people. We get a few names, nothing, no real shocker, no surprise. We don't get the actual client list of people that were guilty. We get testimony from different people. Uh, It's all smeared. Nobody knows what's what. There is no actual list. We thought we'd get the the black book, the little black book of secrets of who these people were. We thought we were going to see some big names there. What's going to happen from the people that are mentioned in these Jeffrey Epstein file drops? Absolutely nothing. If you think something's going to happen to these people, you are living in a delusion. Nothing is going to happen. They're untouchable. If they were going to be got, if they were going to be gotten, they would have been had already. So don't expect to see anything come from that. Don't expect to see Hunter Biden do jail time uh, for not honoring his commitment, honoring the subpoena. You're not going to see that as well. This whole thing, we're just continuing to be lied to over and over again. And again, Speaker Johnson now is talking, oh, 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 he's big talk on Twitter about, oh, uh, this or the border and this. This guy is slamming through a $1.6 trillion spending package, and he's got the absolute nerve to get on Twitter and talk smack. This guy who promised us the January 6 tapes by the end of 2023 and did not deliver on that promise is now on Twitter talking smack. And I I can't take it. I think they need to throw him out. Just like McCarthy, throw him in the same direction and get him out. We had high hopes. I had high hopes about this guy. He's proven to be a liar. You, get, you cannot go forward with him anymore, right? If you, Once you lie in court once, the judge says, throw out the whole testimony. Mike Johnson told you, I'm giving you all the January 6 tapes. He didn't do it. That's enough for me. You're out. Next guy up. That's the way it has to be. Next man up or next woman up. We have to go for another speaker right away. Right away. This spending package is absolutely ridiculous. You heard me talk about it with uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamaka on, on Tuesday. Thank God she's voting against it. Little is it going to do. They're going to slam this thing through, and it's a disgrace. While we have nothing to protect our own border down there. So I'm absolutely livid about that. We're going to continue you, you know, support Ukraine's border, Israel's border, and nothing for ours. It's a joke. And I will touch on what happened in Ecuador, because that's what's coming to a, to a city near you really soon. And I would advise you, and hopefully... A lot of these videos are not still up on X because they were just barbaric to watch. And you could see what these people were all about. And God knows how many of them have entered our country through our wide open uh, border. But Ecuador was in chaos. I'll talk with Sean about that, too, a little bit. One other thing I wanted to hit on before I bring Sean on is that, you know, Trump was denied his opportunity in court to make closing arguments. Now, first of all, unfortunately for the Trump family, Melania Trump's mother passed away. And so sad time for the Trump family right now. Trump asked if they would allow him to push the closing arguments in his civil case in Manhattan so that he could be with his wife, Melania, during this time. Now, the the, the woman just lost her mother. And if you know anybody out there that's lost a mom like myself, you know what a tough time of life that is. So President Donald Trump says, hey, can we push this so I could be with my wife while she has to bury her mother? No, you cannot. They do not allow them. They say, no, you got to stay here. Then what happens? I'll put a little bit of this up on the board. This is from Simon um, Adaba. He's one of the White House correspondents. He puts uh, Judge Arthur Moron uh, says Trump will no longer be allowed to make closing arguments in New York uh, today uh, because his lawyers have filed a guarantee. His lawyers have failed to guarantee that he will stick to the civil fraud case as requested last week. So. Um, they're not going to allow him the opportunity to make a closing argument. They don't want him presenting any new evidence. They, this thing is an open and shut case against Donald Trump. They don't want him to stand a chance. It's all corrupt. The whole system is tilted against him. We already know that going in. And I, for one, am just sick and tired 
of seeing what they're doing to the former president of this country. And, it, and you know, it, it's like the game is over. Like, the, 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 I'm tired of hearing it with all the, the Trump derangement syndrome that's going on. Enough is enough. Our country is rotting to the core here, and we can't put one win up on the board. Not one win can we stick up on that board. Nothing. We're just getting steamrolled over. And what's going to happen in 2024? What have we done to secure the elections this year? Have we done anything? Is there any, any changes? Or are they still going to shove these uh, online ba- uh, mail-in ballots up down our throats? Is that what's coming? More of the same? So hopefully uh, something drastic happens here. Uh, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to see it. Now, I'm going to talk about a lot of this stuff. We have the Iowa caucuses that are coming up. Uh, I do want to make a guest announcement for you guys. I'm going to make that at the end of the podcast today. Once I'm done with Sean, I will make an announcement for next week. It's a big one. So please stay tuned to the end of today's episode and find out who exactly that will be. Uh, So let's get into more of this. Uh, Sean Parnell, obviously combat veteran, uh, American hero. Uh, you know, this guy was wounded in combat. He's, he, he's everything that you want in a soldier, in, in a father, in a leader. He ran for Senate. He was a Trump-endorsed candidate, had to back out because of the corrupt family court system. They squeezed this guy. He's been through the ringer. He's been through so much, not just you know, military guy, uh, personal life, political life. He, he's been through a lot. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. If you've never read any of Sean Parnell's books. Now, he's got the, the, the fictional books uh, that are available that he wrote that are, that are tremendous. They're thriller books, uh, military thr- thriller books. Uh, I have all, th- I think there's three of them, three or four in the series. Uh, they're very good. And also, you've got to read Outlaw Platoon, which tells the story uh, of, I think, I think half of his entire platoon was wounded in combat. So you've got to check that out if you never have. So I, I've become friends with Sean over the years, had him on my show, First Class Fatherhood, a number of times. And uh, listen, I'm honored every time I get a chance to talk to him. So uh, he's he's got his own podcast right here on Rumble called the Battleground Podcast. Sean Parnell, check him out. I'll put the link down there in the description below. And let's do this now. Let's bring Sean onto the podcast here. All right. Joining me now, Sean Parnell. Welcome back to the Alec Lee Show. Hey, Alec, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, happy new year, brother. It's good to always, as always, to have you here Uh, right now. I just wanted to hit. It's interesting. I think that, you know, just as the House is getting ready and the Senate's getting ready to pass this one point six trillion dollar spending bill, which has nothing to secure our border, but everything to secure Ukraine and Israel's border. They're all of a sudden now all the attention goes to Hunter Biden. And we see this circus that's going on almost as if like, oh, look, don't look at that spending bill that we're going to pass. Pay attention to the Hunter Biden story going on. Yeah, it's such a disappointment. You know, Speaker Johnson, you know, I I had very, very high hopes for him. And it just it's just it's one point six trillion dollars. Not it's not a good bill. It's a Democrat's wet dream. Zero, zero spending consonant. Zero. zero uh, it does absolutely nothing to secure our border. Uh, it does nothing to tackle many of the issues that our country faces today. It freaking empowers the FBI, right? And the FBI is clearly targeting conservatives all over the country. So it's 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 just a disaster, man. It's like it, it and then you see Hunter Biden on Capitol Hill makes this surprise appearance. It's like the guy storms out of a committee hearing after, you know, responding to a congressional subpoena, walks out before he gets questioned at all. And it's like all I can think about is is like Democrats choose to follow the law when they want or when it suits them. And and Alec, they are rarely, if ever, held accountable for it. And that is not hyperbole. Yet you have, you know, January 6th grandmas being thrown in prison, people who are protesting outside of abortion clinics being thrown in prison. You have the FBI raiding pastors' houses. I mean, it's like, this is a very, very, very dangerous time to, to live in America right now. And, you know, the weaponization of the federal government against we the people is something that should be concerning to everybody. And and, and I guess another thing that really scares me a lot right now is that the Democrats are uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. They're all corrupt. There's so much evidence to suggest that. I mean, anybody that's even half paying attention attention knows that. Yet the Democrats are out there saying there's no evidence. Their allies in the media are out there saying there's no evidence. And the Democrats... It's like 
even in the face of all of this corruption, they still brazenly lie and wield their power as if nothing's wrong. And that is what really scares me because it makes me wonder what they're truly capable of. It's almost like old school type of mafia stuff where you'd be in the neighborhood and you knew the mafia was operating everywhere. They controlled this over here. They control that. Everybody knew it, but nothing was done about it because they had everybody in their pocket. And that's what it is with the Democrat Party. It just seems like they can operate like this with impunity because they have everybody in their pocket. The DOJ is in their pocket. All these three letter agencies are in their pocket. So it's the media, obviously. So it just seems like they get away with almost everything. And it's frustrating to watch. And it's just one thing after another that's disappointing. I know you say, uh, Speaker Johnson, I, I, I had um, Congresswoman Kat Kamak on the show uh, Tuesday. She talked about, you know, she's going to vote against that spending package. I hope more people do. But it's, it's it just seems like it's another letdown. It's like we did all this to get rid of McCarthy. Now we got Speaker Johnson. Like, what are we going to do? Get rid of him? And who are we going to get now to replace him? It just seems like it's a revolving door. Nothing gets done. Republicans just seem to be, uh, I, I don't know, it just seems to be useless. The whole thing just seems like we're all we do is talk about the same thing and we never see any results, man. It gets it gets so frustrating day in and day out. Yeah. And, and Republicans just don't represent their base well, Alec. And and and, that, and by the way, I this is why I believe President Trump is so popular, of course, despite what the media says about him, the Democrats say about him. The reason why President Trump is dominant right now and I'm look, all cards on the table. I'm, I'm a Trump guy. I've been a Trump guy for a long time. But the but understanding why he's so popular and why he's dominating all the caucus states from Iowa to New Hampshire to South Carolina going into Super Tuesday, President Trump is is going to is going to dominate. And the reason for that is that he is one of the few Republican politicians that represents the base. And in order to do that as a Republican in today's America, you have to speak about things knowing that you're going to be attacked. You have to talk about things that matter. Election integrity is something that matters to the base. Everywhere I go as a Republican who's run for office twice in this state, the thing that people talk about the most with me is how are we going to secure our elections? So something that our base clearly cares about. You want to know what else our base cares about? The weaponization of the federal government against the American people. And, and pushing back against this BS insurrection narrative. It's false. It's a lie. January 6th, a true characterization of January 6th was that it was a mostly peaceful protest. But for whatever reason, Alec, Republicans, and I, there are so many good Republicans in office, so I'm not trying to paint everybody with the same brush, but, but for whatever reason, collectively, our party is afraid to talk about this stuff. And and I think it's like, maybe they want to ingratiate themselves with, with the media. They don't want to have negative stories run about them. Maybe they're beholden to donors or special interests. I don't know. But I think that frustration that you just spoke about, part of it is born out of that. Like if, if we're not pushing back against a $1.6 trillion spending bill that has zero spending cuts on this, radical left-wing agenda of the Biden administration, when we control the U.S. House of Representatives, even though we have a very razor-thin margin, it, it, what the hell is the point of having a majority in any any, like any like place in our government if we can't even win battles when we're in the majority? And it's just frustrating. I get it. I get it. But But this is why Trump is so popular. He speaks about the issues that matter, and people in our party rally to that because very few people on our party do. Yeah, it's definitely Trump's party. And I'm going to get to the Iowa uh, caucus in just a second. But yeah, Chuck Schumer, the Senator Schumer called this uh, spending bill uh, a big win, a, a great win for the Democrats. And what is that? That goes to tell you. And, and with the January 6th, I, I just had the Q shaman on the show here on Tuesday, too. This was a guy that was uh, supposed to be like one of the most dangerous insurrectionists that day. he was the face of it. And then he was on video being led around the whole Capitol by, uh, by the police. And, and it's like the guy, Ray Epps, who is the only guy on camera that tells people to go into the Capitol and storm the Capitol gets right. a $500 fine. That's so exactly the whole thing, right. the whole narrative is, it, it, to me, is, is just horse shit. I mean, that's the only way I can put it. <laughs> well, I uh, first of all, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And just to give you a sense of how deep the rabbit hole goes, you talked about Ray Epps. Uh, Ray Epps, so... We played a video on on my show yesterday. Talk. We've been talking about January sixth and Ray Epps and and information as it comes out about January sixth. 
Ray Epps has been along strangely at, at these MAGA America first, either protests or rallies for a long time. We played a video of Ray Epps at another protest dressed sort of in the same way, who's just like casually strolling behind protesters. And then he's in the back of the video, doesn't even know he's on tape. It's like taking pictures of people. Like, who is he sending those pictures to? Why is he taking those pictures? Who is the guy working for? Maybe he's not an employee of the FBI, as people were saying. Maybe he's a contractor. I don't know. But clearly there's more than meets the eye with people like Ray Epps. And you see what Clay Higgins said, uh, who's a sitting member of Congress, worked in law enforcement community before he was elected, said there were 200 FBI assets, and that's a conservative estimate, in the crowd during January 6th. So clearly... Something is going on there. We don't have all the information. But Ray Epps, the guy was on camera organizing people to go into the Capitol. He he was he said he listen, this is really important. He said that he came into town on January 5th to hear President Trump speak, but he did not attend the speech. So he leads people to the Capitol. He's one of the first people into the restricted areas. He clearly coordinating things and pushing people to go through the doors. The guy ends up on the FBI's most wanted list for like a day and is immediately removed from it. And then what he went, the average sentence for, for January six protesters is like three years and, and thrown in pretrial confinement for years awaiting trial. And most of these people were slapped with federal charges. Ray Epps gets, a misdemeanor, no prison time, and a $500 fine. And oh, by the way, his sentencing was supposed to be in person and live. And then they switched it last minute. So it was at a Zoom conference. So, you know, it's like this whole thing reeks to high heaven. And oh, oh the person that, that the judge, and this is this is what you talk about, the rabbit hole goes deep. These judges in D.C. and these, Alec, there's no such thing as a fair and impartial Democrat judge. They don't exist. The right appoints right-leaning jurists who leave their politics at home to the judge's bench all over the country at every level. The Democrats appoint true hardliners who do, who do not give a damn about the Constitution. They don't care about evidence. They don't care about norms. They don't care about legal precedent. They care about advancing the progressive football down the field. That's all that matters. And this judge, Judge Boesberg, he, he, this is a direct quote. He told Ray Epps during the sentencing, you were, you were the only January 6th defendant to suffer for what you didn't do. In other words, the only defendant to face threats and harassment because powerful people lied about his actions. But little do people know, Judge Boesberg was the judge who was in charge of the FISA court and granted the unconstitutional, what I believe unconstitutional FISA warrants to spy on President Trump's campaign. This is all one big club and you and me, Alec, we ain't in it and they don't like us. And so- this is all just such a corrupt, rotten process to the to the core. And when you look at it from the outside and the big scope of this, it was beautifully orchestrated, Sean. They did. This thing was a setup and it was beautifully set up. They got so well every said. they got the foot. The, the, the day January 6th happened. I remember saying like these, they got footage that they're going to have for the next 20 years. They're going to be playing these videos and, and they have a treasure trove now and they got what they wanted. They orchestrated this. They set it up and they got exactly what they wanted. And that's the type of game that they're playing. So hopefully, you know, the January 6th thing is something that's going to like they're going to try to pin that to candidates moving forward now too. I, even long after Trump. They're going to use this. This thing ain't going away even after Trump is out of there and he's done with his uh, with his term because they're going to every candidate that's that supported this or talked about it. They're going to try to pin this to their campaign. So uh, they're not done with January 6th by a long shot. Let me just ask you this real quick too, Sean, here, because our border obviously is, is wide open. It's one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue that we have right now. We just saw Tuesday Ecuador. We had these uh, people, these uh, cartel members that just started mowing down civilians, police, and they got out of control. A big war breaking out between the military and the cartels there. Donald Trump was crucified when he said they're bringing gang members, drug dealers, predators and killers. And these are the exact people he was warning about. How many of these type of guys have already come into this country? The answer is we have no idea. I I could not agree with you more. I mean. This we live at a very a, a very dangerous time. We're very divided. Federal government's going after conservatives, but also there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. Israel is 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 fighting a war against Hamas, and 
uh, Iranian proxies who are attacking U.S. troops and, and, and U.S. warships and the Red Sea. I mean, uh, China is saber rattling, threatening to invade uh, Taiwan. I mean, there's just the world is on fire right now. And our border is wide open. If you think that our enemies are not exploiting this, you're crazy. I'm not saying you, but there are people in this country that think that, oh, you know, these are just people who love this country. They're seeking asylum. This is not this is not a Cold War where people are coming across our southern border because, you know, they're going to be assassinated by the KGB or something like that. Many of these people are are seeking asylum or using the blanket of asylum to come here because they don't like the economic conditions in their own country. And oh, by the way, many of these people aren't from Mexico or or countries like that, but they're passing through Mexico. You know who they're not asking for asylum from? The, the Mexican government. So clearly there, there's something going on here at the southern border that's deliberate. Now, obviously, China is is exploiting it they're they're manufacturing fentanyl they're partnering with these cartels the cartels are funneling this stuff into america fentanyl is designed to look like candy right now specifically targeting our kids to me it's a form of warfare against this country and the democrats are just asleep at the wheel but the the truth of the matter is is maybe they're not asleep at the wheel maybe maybe they know exactly what they're doing uh, this is a deliberate attempt to to change the demographic in america the democrats have said there's a democrat congresswoman from new york who just said oh you know we could take these migrants that's really going to help me during redistricting believe me if they thought that the people who are coming across the border were going to vote republican the border would have been secured 30 freaking years ago alec but they they yep. see it as a as an opportunity to to bring out votes on election day to help their the, their party. Um, but ultimately it makes this country a far more dangerous place because we have no idea who's coming across. I mean, 400,000 people came across the border uh, when, and during the Trump administration in, in I think 19 or 2019, 2020, 400,000 people. That number is in the millions now. And since Biden's been in office, over 10 million illegal invaders have crossed into our Southern border since Biden's been in office. I mean, that number is greater than the population of many states in this country. And it's it's just a dereliction of duty of, of the highest order that that just is could be laying right at the feet of, of Mayorkas and Biden. And it's just, again, a scary time to be living in America right now. And I don't think any of it is by, you know, obviously, I don't think any of it is a coincidence. I think just like we say the January 6th was a setup and orchestrated, uh, just like I believe COVID was a setup and orchestrated, I believe the same thing about the border. None of these things are happening by happenstance here. These things are happening all, all, all on purpose. And and we even seen, you know, Tuesday also the videos come out. There's a school in Brooklyn in New York City <laughs> where the kids have to go now virtual learning so that they can bring the illegals and put them, house them into the school. And so like they kicked out veterans already and took them out of their homes so they could house migrants or illegals and then now they're kicking school kids out of school next thing it's going to be you they're going to be removing you from the neighborhood so they can make room for these people and people aren't going to wake up to it until they actually come knock on your door and say hey we need to make room for the migrants you got to move out of here and that's where we're that's where we're headed and people don't seem to believe that until it shows up in their neighborhood and then right now it's just all these other distractions that are really just meaningless. But it, it, this problem, it, I don't see how in the world, I don't know if we make it to next year. We got we got 365 days just about until the next inauguration. I don't know how we make it. How do we sustain this country with the amount of people pouring in? We may, It may be too late. Well, and, and you look at like Nikki Haley, not to, not to pick on Nikki Haley, but <clears throat> I'm sure you've heard the soundbite of her saying that we shouldn't call, you know, shouldn't call them illegal immigrants, but that's exactly what they are. And, you mentioned the school in New York and kids having to go to remote learning because like illegal immigrants are now in their school. Boy, if that isn't a, a good, a prime example of putting these invaders over Americans, I, I don't know what is, but Nikki Haley is out. I wonder how the parents who, who have kids in that school district would feel about her comments that we shouldn't say that they're illegal when now they're getting they're taking opportunity from our children at a time where our children you know during covid were kept out of school for a lot of bs reasons right and and this is why it's so important talked about why trump had lots of support now on the flip side of that is that so many republicans who are running for office just don't seem to understand what time it is and everything you said i completely agree that everything that you're seeing right now is is deliberate 
you know, Biden is a stumbling, bumbling moron that can barely string together a coherent sentence. He's an animated corpse in every sense of the word. But but people that are pulling the strings, people that are operating behind the curtain are dismantling this country with ruthless efficiency. And it's our children that are going to have to pay the price. And you still have Republicans out there saying, well, we shouldn't call, you know, people who come to this country illegally illegal because it's disrespectful to them. Well, I would argue that it's disrespectful to those to those children and those American families in Brooklyn who now have to have their kids in remote learning because invaders are occupying their school. And that that therein lies that that's the real that's the issue. Right. Is, is it, this is what it means to be America first. It's about putting Americans, the needs of United States citizens and our taxpayers before, you know, illegal immigrants. But the left doesn't want to do that. And there, unfortunately, there are people in in my own and in, in our own party that don't want to do that either. And I can't for the life of me. I would imagine that there was a lot of uh, Republicans born in Brooklyn uh, this week. Right. Yeah. Just because I don't see how, uh, in my opinion, the next run for mayor here, I, I cannot imagine why it wouldn't be a slam. The Curtis Lee ran against Adams the last time and got buried. Uh, and I cannot imagine that he would not have a chance to win in the next go around because I know he's going to run again. H- how in the world could they not vote this guy Adams out of there? He's been a disgrace to New York City with everything that's going on over there. This is just one other thing. He has no idea what to do to migrants. He's afraid to tell Biden to close the border down. He wanted to ship them over to Jersey, over where I am here. Uh, the towns over here, like the one in Edison, they try to put them to. They're kicking them out. Nobody wants these people, but nobody wants to say, hey, close the border and let's start mass deportation immediately. And that's what has to happen. And that's the only answer here. There is no other answer of what to do with the, the, the migrants. And, we, and they make it sound like, oh, you're dehumanizing, like you said. Oh, you're calling them illegals. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's America first. Until we get Americans secured here, then we can figure out what to do. We can bring these people in through the legal process. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking for anything more than that. I I completely agree. I mean, it's like it's this country is suffering from a lot of pathologies right now. I mean, we're $34 trillion in debt. We've been talking about our southern border. Our military is in the midst of a recruiting crisis, the likes of which we've not seen since going back to the Vietnam War, maybe even before that. Um, Our military, I mean, we just had a secretary of defense not tell the commander in chief that he was in the ICU for days, for days, all while somehow clearing a strike in Iraq against a high value target. I mean, do Americans like it, the oh and the second in the chain of command at the Pentagon was in Puerto Rico on vacation? Yet we're still taking out terrorists and high value targets in Iraq. I mean, who cleared that strike? Sure as hell wasn't Biden because Biden didn't even know the Secretary of Defense was in the ICU. I mean, you see what I mean? Um, this we who who the hell's in charge here? It, and and the people that are in charge that are making the decisions are not putting the best interests of this country first. And unfortunately, our kids are going to pay the price for it until Republicans. And my my God, I hope Trump, I hope Trump wins in in 2024. I'll be pulling for him, working hard for him. But I'm afraid that what if the Supreme Court doesn't step in in a nine zero opinion to slap down the Colorado ruling that that he can't be on the ballot? I mean, I've had two election cases at the Supreme Court. They've disappointed me both times. I've had some very strong dissents. I mean. And the conservative justices agree with our perspective as it pertains to elections, but that a couple of conservative Supreme Court justices sided with the left. And at some point, something's got to give. But if, if this isn't a 9-0 decision and, and to allow Trump on the ballot or if the Supreme Court fails to allow him to run, dangerous, dark times are ahead in this country, man. I I I, I I don't know. I, I'm not sold on the fact that the Supreme Court's going to come through in the clutch for us. I'm just not. Yeah, I, I think we all kind of feel that way. I know we've just seen Nevada. Uh, they knocked it down so they, they can't pull Trump off the ballot there. But we're going to see this in every state's going to have to go through. Imagine this. It's like we have to just go through state by state to see if they're going to allow the number one political opponent of Joe Biden to be on the ballot. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting to just get on the ballot. But I wanted to mm-hmm. let, let me let me swing this over to close this out with the uh, the Iowa caucuses. Obviously, Iowa's the big going to be the big thing on Monday. That's what everyone's going to be covering here. Uh, I, I cannot wait, Sean, until we finally pass all of this infighting that's going on in our in the 
Republican Party between the DeSantis camp and the Trump camp and the Haley camp and this whole stuff. I, I think, the, I, in my opinion, the only person whose stock actually rose through all of this was Vivek Ramaswamy. This is a guy that went from a, an unknown to now uh, a household name, this guy. So I think he, his stock, his value is the one that grew and he did it. Because he didn't attack Donald Trump this entire time. He's the only one that's he's an America first guy. He never goes after Trump and he's playing his own game. And I think he did it brilliantly. And I think he's gained his stock has definitely risen. What's your take on this Iowa caucus? What are we going to see on Monday? Yeah, well, I think you're going to see Trump dominate. I I really do. I mean, uh, I think Trump is going to emerge as the clear leader of the Republican Party in Iowa. I think you're going to see Ron DeSantis. I mean, Ron DeSantis is all in on Iowa. If he doesn't win, I don't know. I don't see a path forward for him because coming out of Iowa, he's got to go to New Hampshire where a new poll just came out today to head DeSantis in fifth place in New Hampshire. And then he's going to go to South Carolina where Trump is beating Nikki Haley in her own state. So that doesn't bode well. You know, Ron DeSantis is probably not going to do well in South Carolina. If he doesn't do well in South Carolina, uh, uh, you know, momentum in primaries is a very real thing. And going into Super Tuesday, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see how Ron DeSantis survives if he doesn't win Iowa. Uh, and it doesn't look like he's going to. I mean, it looks like Trump is going to dominate. Um, but and you sp- you talked about uh, Ramaswamy. Um, there has There was an opportunity in this primary for the candidates to come out and draw a line in the sand. And it, you talk about Ron DeSantis within this context. There was a time where he could have come out and said, you know what? Like looking at how the federal government is trying to throw Trump in jail for life. They're going after his fortune in New York. They're trying to kick him off the ballot. I'm I'm not. There's a line in this in the, in the sand in this country that you can't cross. This is it. I'm getting out. I'm back in Trump. Everyone in this everyone in this party should as well. Uh, if he done if he had done that, if Nikki Haley had done that, I think in some way they would have been able to salvage their legacy and have a bright political future in this country. But they didn't. And that's why I think Ron DeSantis, I just don't see him being able to run in 2028 and 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 bring the base along with him uh, because of because of that reason. At a time where these candidates should be rallying around Trump. And and listen, it it's so frustrating to me to hear people say, well, look at all this baggage that Trump has. It's it's artificial baggage. It is political persecution from the left. These trials, this this lawfare that's being waged against President Trump, it's it's not legitimate. And to say as conservatives, look at this baggage. Oh, Trump just can't win because he's fighting for his life in this law. You're giving in to the bullies of the left. And if you think that they'll stop at Trump. Believe me, if if what they do works against Trump, they're going to come for the rest of us. And they're already trying to do it to 126 Republican candidates who are running for office, even members of the U.S. House of Representatives like Scott Perry right here in the in, the, in my Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So you can't just say, oh, Trump can't win because lawfare and oh, look at all the he he created a lot of these problems for himself. As Nikki Haley said, that is BS. The guy needs our party to rally around him now more than ever and to say this 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 illegal political persecution of the leading candidate for president is wrong it has to stop and we're united in stopping it but that's not happening and Vivek Ramaswamy is saying that and I think that's why his stock has risen with America First conservatives I still don't fully trust the guy because he just doesn't have a whole lot of established conservative bona fides but he's building them and he's saying the right things. And I cover the guy a lot on my show because he just seems to understand what time it is that the media can't be trusted. The Democrats brazenly lie. The media elevates those lies. And what I appreciate about Vivek is that he questions the narrative because the media does not report the truth anymore, Alec. They report the narrative. So the narrative as it pertains to COVID, the narrative as it pertains to the vax, the narrative as it pertains to January 6th. He's the only Republican out there that's running for president, of course, other than Trump, that's pushing back against the January 6th narrative. And if if he if if the leaders in our party don't push back on it, we're basically saying to all the January 6th political hostages, hey, it's fine, rotten prison. We're not fighting for you. So it's imperative that people like Vivek and and uh, follow Trump's example of being the lead. Trump is the leader of the party. He's like one of the few people talking about this. So yeah, I think that's why Vivek's stock is rising because 
he talks about the thing that things that our party cares about and that's what that's that's how you become or see success as a candidate and and, and he's a hustler i'll tell you that because i, I now <laughs> last year when he first launched his campaign i had him on first class fatherhood i didn't know who he was I, I never never heard of him like many people i hadn't heard of him but since he ran for president i said let me get him on the show see what he's all about and so I did the interview with him there and I asked him right away about Trump and he never took right from the jump. He said, no, he goes, Trump is actually the inspiration why I'm running. So he never went at Trump right from the beginning. Then he had me out. He flew me out to his headquarters to do an interview on his podcast. And I got a chance to see this guy. This was right in the beginning of his campaign when he first launched. And I got a chance to see how this guy operates, the team around him. And this guy, I, you know, he, I was like, look at this guy. This guy was impressive to me. And I was like, he's going to, you know, he's going to start moving the needle a little bit, I think, because he, he was sitting there. I'm talking to him about the fatherless crisis and then the, the nuclear family unit. And he's sitting there taking notes, writing them down in a notepad as, as we're doing the interview. And I'm like, well, look at this guy. Like, well, what's the story with this? Like, so he impressed me. But obviously, uh, I don't think, obviously, he's not a threat to Donald Trump. It is Donald Trump. So I think Donald Trump is going to smoke the field in Iowa. I think, I, and I think, as I think, I think Vivek Ramaswamy's stock is the one that risen the most. I think Ron DeSantis is the one that has dropped the most. And it's so sad to see because I love Ron DeSantis. I think yeah. he's the best governor we have in the country. And, and I agree with you. Uh, I think that if Ron DeSantis right from the dribble would have said, hey, uh, this is not my time. I'm going all in on Donald Trump. I think he's a he's a vice president candidate. And I think the keys to the kingdom are his in 2028. Yeah, I agree. I you know, it's it's tough because I do think Ron DeSantis was a great governor at a really difficult time. Um, but he's trying to fill a lane in this Republican primary that is not consonant with who he is or how he's governed. And it's just it's not effective. And uh, you put the policy aside, Alec. Ron DeSantis has a difficult time connecting with people. He just does. He's he's awkward on the trail. He's he's a good executive. He's a good legislator. But he's he's not the best retail campaigner. I and mean, I think about that time where he's like talking to that kid in Iowa. Oh, snow cone, lots of sugar in that. Well, see you later. <laughs> you know, like I just saw that. I just saw that. I was like, oh gosh. But like, here's the thing. Like, I'm not. I. I it was funny, right? We're kind of poking fun at him, but that's not. I, I. It's not. It's not my intention. My intention is to make a larger point of Ron DeSantis was wildly popular in Florida precisely because. He was a great governor at a really difficult time. And his leadership and his policies shone through in Florida during that time. And people didn't think he was great because he was a great retail campaigner. He had time to build a track record. Well, when you're running for president, a lot of a lot of people in other states who aren't necessarily tethered to politics don't know that about you. They didn't experience that in the daily course of their lives. So he, you have got to rely on your ability to connect with people and be a great retail campaigner. Ron DeSantis is not a great retail campaigner. And, but you know who is? Donald Trump. And he sucks the air out of the room and every room that he's in. So, like, maybe if a guy like Trump isn't running, just look, and this is superficial stuff, but it's real, Alec. If maybe a guy like Trump, who's Trump is charismatic, like I said, he dominates every room that he's in. If if it's just DeSantis against a bunch of other wonkish, boring people, DeSantis probably emerges victorious, but it ain't the case. You know, Trump is formidable and this isn't a new thing. You know, back in 2016, Trump built a, a beat a Clinton and a Bush in the same election cycle. These are two political dynasty, American political dynasty families, powerful, powerful families. Trump beat them both. And so it was never going to work out for Ron DeSantis. It just wasn't. I mean, look, in five days on Monday, he could prove me wrong. Uh, I don't think I'm wrong now. I don't think so either, Sean. And again, I, I think it's kind of it, it's disheartening to watch. And I hate and I really don't like I know people love it because it's the politics. It's like their their football season, almost in a sense of go at it, go at it. I yeah. hate seeing it. I, I hate seeing Republicans talking about Democrat talking points. And that's all they're doing is they come up with these things and they sound like Democrats when they're talking to one another. It's I like, like, listen, you're listen. I got to say you're exactly right. I, I mean, you are 100 percent right about this. Ron DeSantis is. Online influencers have done him no favors. They, they, I, look, a lot of these people I like and are my friends. I, I, I've, I've known them for a long. I don't like Republican on Republican violence, but I don't think they've done him any favors. I think you're exactly right. 
Yeah, and it's kind of sad to watch. So, uh, obviously, all eyes on Iowa. Uh, what's coming up here for you on the Battleground podcast? What do you got coming up? I'm going to put the link down there. My listeners got to get over there. I know you're hitting it on a daily over there. I'm still doing only two days a week. You got the hustle going on the daily. What's coming up on the Battleground? Yes. Yeah, so we air every night live stream on Rumble from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. I've got Cash Patel coming on tonight. We're going to talk about you know insider baseball and the Trump administration, what a 2024 Trump administration can look like. Uh, I'm also going to ask Cash Patel about holding people accountable because, you know, accountability, holding people accountable is an important function of leadership. And Donald Trump has promised to hold people accountable for for doing the like doing serious damage to this country. I want to hear all about that. But, yeah, subscribe to Battleground Live. We're right here on Rumble uh, air Monday through Friday at five o'clock. We'd love to have you all in the trenches fighting for this country uh, with the rest of us. Yeah, love what you do. I got the the, script, the link down there in the description below. Always an honor to have you on, Sean. I, I look forward to having you on again soon. And thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time here today on the Alec Lay Show. Nope, you got it, Alec. Thanks for having me. All right. Grateful as always. Honored whenever I have a chance to talk to an American hero like Sean Parnell. Always grateful that he gives me a few minutes of his time here. What do you think about the uh, conversation, the interview? Put it down there in the live chat. Let me know what you thought while you're down there. Hit that follow button. Follow the channel here on Rumble. Hit the like button. Get involved in the chat and the conversation down there. Uh, Sean Parnell, I would love to see him make another run somewhere. You know, run for Senate, run for Congress. We need voices like Sean's in there. The guy is, you know, I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. I'm just blessed to know him and to be a friend of his. Uh, always grateful for him to, jo- to join the show. Look, the Iowa caucuses, I, and just like I said to Sean there, I just can't wait till we can put this stuff behind us. I, I do believe uh, Vivek Ramaswamy stock has risen the most and Ron DeSantis has dropped the most. Uh, what do you think? Now, here's I'm going to give you my prediction here for the Iowa caucus, the way it's going to go out. You tell me in the chat or in the comments down below what you think, how this is going to roll out. I think Trump wins t- 20 points ahead. I think he wins by at least 20. That's my pick. I think second place is going to be Vivek Ramaswamy. I think third place is going to be Nikki Haley. And I think fourth place is going to be Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis' stock has dropped that far. Now, I could be totally wrong. Maybe Ron is second. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Ron did enough here? Do you think Ron's got enough supporters uh, that he could pull off a second place? Who gets second in your opinion? My opinion is Vivek Ramaswamy. No one's worked harder. No one's done more events. No one's put his name out there more than Vivek Ramaswamy. So I think he gets second place. uh, Nikki Haley has all the big money behind her. Uh, She's got the big donors behind her. So that may help her. I don't know, but uh, I don't see Ron DeSantis uh, uh, pulling this out. And it's a shame. Just uh, You know, I I do like Ron DeSantis, and he's the best governor we have. It's just a shame the way this is all uh, rolling out here. I, I, I hate the way this is all playing out. But, hey. That's the way the cookie crumbles. So be it. I think Donald Trump steamrolls through Iowa, takes down New Hampshire. Let's get him in the primary already. We need to fast forward this so all of the focus can be on Trump and all of it can be against Joe Biden and the Democrats. I can't wait. I wish we could just hit a button right now and get to that moment where where we start to all attack the Democrats together. We have these. We just keep giving the Democrats more talking points. And you have Democrats that are sharing things that Ron DeSantis are saying about Trump. You have Democrats sharing things that Nikki Haley is saying against Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy is not dumb enough to he's, he's not he's too smart, I should say. He, he's not as dumb as the others that are doing that. He's not giving them clips to do that. He's going the opposite way. He, he is America first. He never takes the stab at Trump. He takes the stabs all at Biden. Now, of course, he smacks down at uh, basically Nikki Haley a lot because she comes at him. Uh, but he's not going after Donald Trump. And uh, so uh, I, I really, I like Vivek. He's going to have a strong future in politics. There's no doubt about that. And so hopefully, uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll see him in the cab. Maybe he gets a vice president. I don't know. What do you think? Who is going to be Donald Trump's vice president? That's the other thing. Who is he going to pick? We, we thought maybe it could have been Ron DeSantis. I think that idea is out the window. I think uh, Nikki Haley is out the window. I think out of the other candidates that are running, Vivek is the only one that has a chance to be his vice president. I would still love to see a Tucker Carlson. I would still be happy with a Carrie Lake. I would still be happy with a Byron Donalds. I mean, I don't know. What is your pick? Put it down there in the chat. Make your voice heard, right? Peacefully and patriotically uh, put your pick down there. All right, so just one more thing on Ecuador, and then I'll get to um, the guest that I have coming for next week. 
if you missed out on this stuff, I, I, I would I would highly recommend that you don't watch it because it's very, very brutal. These uh, these cartel guys were just running amok in Ecuador the other day, and the videos were all over X. Now, just like I said to Sean there in the interview, Donald Trump w- tried to warn us. He warned us about these people, and they called him racist for it. When he said, your gang members, your drug dealers, your predators, and your killers are coming through the border— These people in Ecuador are exactly who he was talking about, but they called Donald Trump a racist for it. They, the, the, the people on the left like, oh, Donald Trump says all illegal immigrants are this. And that's not what he said. You're going to get people that are in here that are good. There's no doubt about it. They're coming in illegally, so they're starting off on the wrong foot. But they're not, you know, uh, gang members and, uh, and drug dealers and killers. That's true. But you're going to have these people mixed in, and we are seeing it. There are so many angel families in this country that have had their, their, their loved one killed by one of these illegal aliens. They call them migrants, which is the softest word they could figure out to use for the way that they come into the country illegally. And isn't it interesting, too, like when you when you see these pro-Hamas protesters, the, the pro-Hamas people, their whole argument is that Israel is invaded their land and they want to kick Israel out, that Israel is there. Uh, illegally in their land, and they want Israel out. But if you tell the the, the pro-Hamas protester that, hey, these illegals are here in the United States, they're here illegally, we want them out. They're like, oh, you're racist. You're Hitler. That's that's how crazy these people are. The, we have no problem. We are a country of immigrants. We are a nation of immigrants. Everybody knows that. It's like we have to say the same stupid thing every time. We have to, can we put a big separation between illegal immigrant and immigrant? There's a big, big difference that they try to ignore and try to loop everything in together. What's coming through our southern border is nothing but trouble right now, and it's showing up everywhere. Just like I talked with Sean, we were talking about there in Brooklyn, they got all these kids they threw out of the school so that they can let the migrants come in. Well, they, see, you got me saying it. The illegal immigrants can come in and, and, and stay in the school. So the kids got to do online learning. First, it was the veterans. They throw them out of their houses. Now it's the school kids. I mean, it, you know, it, what a sin. So here we go. You know, next time I'm back with you guys here is going to be Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, right here on Rumble, and we're going to find out. We're going to talk all about the results of the Iowa caucus. We'll see exactly how the results roll in, and I think it'll be Trump rolling right through Iowa, and he will come out victorious. Next week, I am scheduled right now for Thursday's podcast next week, a week from today, to have President Donald Trump's son, Eric Trump, join me right here on the Alec Lay Show, so you do not want to miss out on that. Now, I say we are on the schedule, but I do know that uh, Melania's mom just passed away. I don't know if that's going to throw a kink in our schedule. We're on the board right now, so hopefully uh, it stays that way. If it does, Eric Trump will be right here with me, with you, on the podcast, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss out on that. All right, so that's really all I got for you guys today that I wanted to touch on. Uh, Get down there, hit the follow button, hit the like button. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sean Parnell. If you missed it, roll it back a little bit and check it out. Check out his podcast as well. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And God bless all you parents, all of you uh, Americans out there, all, all of you people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired. God bless you. God bless our military first responders. I'm going to catch you guys next week, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Rumble. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family.